0: Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 553, the death of a legend edition here at the Caffeination Podcast. And you know what? There's absolutely no way to make the opening of this sound happy and perky. So, uh, we're not gonna try. Uh, yeah. It uh, started out as a very, very, very different kind of show, and uh, I honestly don't know how to go on from there. Uh, it started out roughly... Two weeks ago, when we were just going to record a little uh, something, a little poetry uh, after Halloween, all the the candy, and then it started out last week, uh, and uh, yeah, it the the tone of the show has radically different uh, shifted. Uh, originally, it was going to be a candy hangover edition, and now it's more of a uh, a celebrity passing hangover edition. So, uh, if you are unaware, and of course, everybody in the the everybody and their mother at this point has already figured it out. Uh, Stan Lee passed away, uh, the comic book superhero himself, uh, co-creator of much of the Marvel universe, Dr. Strange, Spider-Man, and so many other characters, along with his longtime partner, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, uh, just unbelievable characters that, uh, that it's really kind of hard to put a, a, uh, a bumper around what exactly this was. So, yeah, we're we're kind of uh, awestruck uh, about the the length and the breadth of the man's career. And uh, he died at the ripe old age of ninety five. So there's not much more that you could say to that. It's uh, he lived an unbelievable life. He had a phenomenally successful career. And the world is that much brighter for having him been in there with us. So just count yourself lucky that you are alive uh, during the time when he was and that you get to still enjoy the fruits of his creativity uh, onwards and upwards. Excelsior. So, uh, yeah, we took a show or two off for Halloween. I thought it was going to be really kind of interesting, and uh, I decided to spend Halloween night with my family. If you're noticing, there's no co-host tonight because uh, we are having a little homework issues. So, uh, yeah, I'm flying solo tonight. Uh, We're not sure how often uh, my my daughter's going to be on the show with us. But uh, when she can, she will be here. Uh, Amber really loves doing the podcast. She really enjoys uh, doing it, and she's actually upset with me that I'm recording after she's asleep tonight. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. to touching on a couple little things here before we get going in the what's geeky this week for me. Uh, the first thing is, I've been doing my uh, Inktober, wrapped that all up, and now I'm uh, back to doing my sketch every day. And I gotta say, I really missed doing this, and I didn't realize exactly why. And it's one of those things where when you sit down at the page and you have absolutely no clue what you're doing and you just sort of start scribbling, after a while, you can sort of start adding to it. And there's a there's something my father taught me a long while ago. It's, you know, there are no mistakes in art. <laughs> there's just little happy accidents. And, uh, well, he didn't say happy accidents. That's a Bob Rossism. But uh, he said, you know, there's just accidents and you can always fix it. Uh, that that's the phrase that, uh, I remember from my dad. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> and he's still with us. So it's not like I'm saying in memoriam, uh, but you know, it's, you can always fix it. Uh, kind of stuck with me. So I, I messed up a couple of the drawings this past week and I found a way to, to get through to the end. Um, that's what I think we should kind of do with this show and with, uh, uh, just with with life in general so hopefully you are having a fantastic day out there if you are looking for this or any of its other episodic friends you can find them lovingly nestled over at com. that is caffeination.com being the name of the show we thought it was a good place to stick all of our episodic fun Uh, This show is sponsored in part by myself over at Puzzle Piece Productions. That is the design wing for the uh, Caffeination Podcast. Design that fits. So if you are looking for... Logos, graphics, posters, anything like that, we can help you out over at PuzzlePiecePro.com. Uh, there's two affiliate links that are uh, currently nestled in the show right now. The one is for Amazon. So if you're considering doing some shopping and you wouldn't mind throwing a click our way, I'd be uh, most appreciative of that. Uh, and the other one is for InnerServer. InnerServer is the company that pr- uh, provides all the hosting. Now, they do not directly sponsor this podcast. However, they have an affiliate link So if you are looking for hosting for whatever your online... Uh, shenanigans happen to be please f- uh, feel free to click our inner server link to head on over there and check out their uh, offerings. The, one of the reasons that I picked them is because uh, a lot of their support and a lot of their data centers are actually located in the US so it was uh, one of the things that I, that I was kind of looking for because I had previously uh, been involved with other companies that uh, shipped their data centers and their support out to other time zones and other areas and it was kind of hard to get to that escalated level of support uh, every other time that I've had to deal with an issue with inner server, it's been great because I've been talking to somebody in the same time zone. I've been talking to somebody that has no issues with me understanding or with me understanding them. So it's uh, it, it's, it's been rather rapidly resolved, and it's not something I had always seen with other uh, hosting providers. So uh, that's that's my little uh, uh, mini commercial for inner As you can find out more for about them over at. Uh, Innerserver.net uh, or you could click the affiliate link in the show notes alright so moving on to what's geeky this week uh, being that uh, the, the father or co-father of uh, the Marvel Universe past I actually did a uh, one of my sketch of the days was a uh, poor attempt at a caricature of Stan's face. So Stan, the man Lee from 1922 to 2018, Excelsior. And thank you posted up over at Instagram. So I wanted to share with the group. Uh, next little thing is, uh, we always talk about what we're doing and what we're enjoying this week. I finally saw Ant-Man and Wasp. So there's a link over to the uh, Amazon in case you were uh, looking to rent, buy or own that one. But, uh, I gotta say, I loved the movie. I loved the fact that Evangeline Lilly was actually a strong female character, without having to put anybody down. She was just she was just naturally a better fighter and a a more in tune superhero than Ant Man was. But it didn't stop uh, Paul Rudd's character from actually shining because, like they they kind of established early on in the last. Uh, the the last I guess you would say episode of these movies that his character Scott Lang is not the traditional uh, version of Scott Lang that we've seen in the comic books before. He's not the hardened criminal. He is a criminal, but he, you know he's still Paul Rudd. He's Paul Rudd playing the character, so he's he's joking around. He's funny. He's you know it, it's a much more lighthearted movie, which is really weird to see after Avengers four. So um, or Avengers, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's four. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the Thanos one, (laughs) I don't know, man, I am like completely zapped out here, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was one of those things where I saw it and I watched it and I was like, you know, this movie should have gotten a whole lot more press than it already did. And the, the be, the, I think you could actually have flipped Avengers and Ant-Man and Wasp, and I'm not going to ruin anything here, but you could have flipped them and it wouldn't have changed anything. You just would have been really confused at the end of Ant-Man and Wasp, and it would have all made sense at the end of the Avengers movie. So I, I really like the way that they dealt dealt with it. It does leave with a little bit of a cliffhanger. So we'll see exactly where that takes us. And uh, I'm kind of enjoying the uh, journey, so to speak. All right. And the other thing that we're doing is currently I am reading the last uh, Hellboy Omnibus, Hellboy in Hell. Uh, I, so there's again a, an Amazon affiliate link up over there if you are of the mind that you might want to p- pick that up. I love the Omnibus series because I got in on the Hellboy train too late to collect all the individual comics. But uh I still really wanted to read everything. I still really wanted to to find the the nooks and crannies in the story and, and get to know the characters. So I'm really enjoying just following the the saga from everything. You know, from the from the absolute beginning until the the end. So I'm about halfway through Hellboy in Hell and uh I I can't wait to get to the end of this one, because then I'm going to start on the short stories. So I will have the, the complete collection of all that is Hellboy, and uh, I can't wait to uh, have that on my bookshelf. So I've been slowly purchasing uh, books one by one, so uh, I-, I think I've been told to stop because Christmas is on its way. But uh, it doesn't stop you from buying it right now. All right. Now, the next little thing that we got for you going here is Facebook and AR. Facebook convert, confirms rather, that it is building its own augmented reality uh, system, its own augmented reality glasses. Now, this is from a company that has issues with privacy. This is from a company that keeps having data breaches. This is from a company that has also built its own version of Google Hub, Home Hub or the Amazon show so that they now are uh, saying, you know what? Welcome to Facebook. We can't keep your data private, so let's put a camera in your house and be able to talk to anybody who has Facebook on it. I trust Google, and this is probably my own bias, but I trust Google and I trust Amazon significantly more than I trust uh, Facebook. I guess it's because of the way that they were grown. It seems to be a lot easier for them to actually find a, a more secure way of doing things. And Facebook just seems to overall uh, default towards being more unsecure. And I, I don't trust them more further than I can throw them. And yeah, you know, I can't throw a, a gigantic corporate entity like that. But um, it does bring up a, a whole bunch of interesting little ideas that kind of floating around in my head a little bit. So, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. So I linked up to Christopher S., uh... Uh, spen because he's the one that actually showcased this so it's a direct link to his treat his tweet rather not treat and uh, you can read more of his stuff he's an unbelievable marketing person to follow uh, marketing and data analytics if you are into data at all and you want to find out what your data is telling you or how you can get out get more out of your data he is an unbelievable follow so i highly suggest you head on over there and check out his stuff he uh, lives at Christopherspenn.com. So and you can find him at C S at Twitter and a lot of other places. Next little thing we got for you coming out now is an electric Harley Davidson. Now, Harley Davidson's found itself in a rather weird place recently. They are uh, living in this world in which uh, there there's um, they they are I guess as the doom music starts up in the background, I guess they are living in a world in which they've politicized their uh, their their product to the point where they ended up taking off certain levels of, their, uh, of the people who uh, support their products, and then they went one step further and uh, moved jobs overseas because they could no longer compete because of some of the other things that happened politically, and now they've completely thrown everybody that used to support their products for a loop because they're releasing an electric Harley-Davidson. So now my entire thing has nothing to do with politics with an electric Harley-Davidson because I think that's great. An electric bike, that's awesome. I have no idea how what the range is. I have no idea what anything else is. But when you think of a Harley-Davidson, you think of a roar. You think of that noise coming down the street. And it's one of those things that I know that we hate in my house just because— It uh, sets my dogs off. Not very much. It doesn't take very much to set my dogs off, but uh, it's one of those things that uh, I kind of find funny that uh, we can always tell when the guy coming down the street is is, uh, riding his Harley versus uh, he has one of his friends over that don't have a Harley because uh, (laughs) the dogs bark a little bit louder when it's the Harley. (laughs) So uh, I, I know that they're saying that there's going to be some kind of distinctive noise that accompanies it that's going to get louder as the machine moves quicker. Uh, so similar to a roar of a, of a, uh, a gas engine. But I don't know. So it's going to have traction control system standard along with adjustable color touchscreen because it's exactly what you need when you have a motorcycle, a touchscreen. So the bike will arrive next year. The pricing and pre-ordering details will be revealed in January 2019. So then we're going to need to know some of the other... uh, statistics that are out there so it's going to have the pricing uh the range acceleration and all the other key specs but they did release an image of it it looks similar to it doesn't look like a Harley which is the weird thing about it Harley has a distinctive look they have a distinctive sound this bike could be made by almost anybody and uh, the only difference is the uh, the only thing I know and I'm not a huge uh, bike person but the only thing I know is that uh, I know it's not made by BMW because I believe BMW have a uh, have an axle, and uh, this has a chain. That's about it. That, that's all I got. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, it's one of those things where you're looking at the bike and you're going, wow, that's a really futuristic-looking uh, uh, motorcycle. I have no idea about any of the other questions that the article begs, but this one's from over at Engadget.com. Uh, Moving right along, Uh, we have 23andMe releases the Grinch's DNA code results to promote the new movie, and we are so confused. This one's from over at dig.com. Yeah, here's the thing that I've noticed about the new Grinch movie coming out. It's an entirely animated movie. My kids both want to see it. So they've already captured their prime demographic. The Grinch is my favorite holiday character, and it's not because of the redemption story at the at the end of the, the thing, because I think that, that's kind of all well and good. It's heartwarming and all that. I like how cranky he is. I like that he is a curmudgeon. I like that, that he's kind of uh, anti-materialistic in the beginning. I, I, I find, you know some sort of solace in the fact that he really kind of snips at everybody. In fact, I thought Jim Carrey's Grinch was a little bit better, if not a little silly. But this Grinch doesn't strike fear into anybody's heart. He seems kind of good-naturedly just annoyed with Christmas. He doesn't seem to be really out there to, to do anything other than take the presents and it, it i maybe i'm missing something maybe the, the the marketing is just not capturing me in the way it's supposed to but the weird thing about the marketing is that it's absolutely everywhere and the partnership with 23 uh, and Me is one of those things where I'm not sure who they're trying to reach with this. Because if you're looking for the DNA people, the people who are paying to have good money, or paying good money to have uh, their DNA read by an outside company, so you can tell them, and specifically for 23 and Me, their demographic is they're looking for people... Who are interested to find uh, more about the uh, disease end of things as opposed to the ancestry end of things? Because the ancestry people are looking more about where where do I come from, what, do, what you know, what are my people, and what's my past. And it's also a uh, a driver to actually go to their um, their uh, database so that you can go to Ancestry.com and uh, plug in those people and pay them the the lovely monthly fee to build your family trees. So uh, it, it's not just about that. It's it's. It's about, you know, like, well, you're you have a uh, six percent chance of developing celiac disease or you have uh, you're more prone to being bald or uh, you have a recessive gene for blonde hair. (laughs) And it's it. That's what 23andMe is focused on. So uh, it's one of those things where you're looking at it, and you're going, I really don't know how this is furthering their goal of getting more people in the door at their company. So it, 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 it's is there a subset of people out there who really strongly identify with the Grinch who say, you know what, it's not just that I want to do the uh, strong identification with the Grinch, but I really am so happy that you made up a completely false genome for this thing. So it, it just seems like such a weird, weird fit. The, also, the other thing that uh, the the other two pieces to the original Grinch lore that I love so much are Thoreau Ravencroft and Boris, Boris Karloff doing uh, the singing and the voices. So, uh, to me, that, that dark, deep, gritty voice and sound was just beautiful, and and, and just, I, you can't recreate that. And there was a little bit of gravel in Jim Carrey's voice as he was doing it. You know, kids today! But, um, the... The voice seems wrong for the Grinch for this one. He seems kind of squeaky and high-pitched and more like a Smurf who's just having a bad day. So, I don't know. That's just me. And I'd love to hear what anybody else thinks. So, if you have any comments, feedback, suggestions, hate mail, you can feel free to shoot it over to caffeination at com, Or you can find us on any of the other uh, social media networks at caffeination. That's C-A-F-F-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. All right, moving right along. Uh, now, this is an amazing story that I found via DIG, so I have to share it. Um, now, if you are old enough to remember the uh, the original Sega system, Sega, then you are very well acquainted with a certain blue hedgehog. And if you are listening to this anywhere within the United States, you'll know that the blue hedgehog always had kind of a, a very light story surrounding him. And if you're of an even smaller demographic, I'd say probably anywhere between the ages of 29 and like 34. You might even remember a very short lived animated show for, it came out for, I think three seasons where, um, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and his two siblings, all of which voiced by Jaleel White, Urkel, um, were actually out there. But that's not the weirdest part of the backstory of Sonic the Hedgehog. Apparently, when Sony was putting together the story for Sonic the Hedgehog, the studio in Japan did not share any of the backlog or the story data with the studio in America. So what the studio in America did was they created their own separate and distinct backlog story, and that was called the Sonic Bible. This story is unbelievable. It's something that you really have to read to believe. It started out that Sonic was a brown hedgehog from Nebraska who was caught up in an explosion. And uh, yeah, it went weirder from there. He's no longer from Nebraska. And then uh, it the story evolves over time. Apparently, they just finished the run of comics that had any relevance to this at all. Uh, doctor Robotnik. His origin story involves a good-natured doctor who Sonic was friends friends with, uh, falling into some kind of antimatter device that was also mixed with a rotten egg, and which turned into a round, uh, evil boss-like creature. So um, yeah, it's it's amazing. the uh, <laughs> The original doctor's name was Doctor Kintober, and uh, then he became Doctor Robotnik. And uh, yeah, so the lore expands through comics, through cartoons, through all kinds of different versions of the canon until it's virtually unrecognizable from the origin. It's completely unrecognizable from where it started and from the actual games themselves. And it's just a fascinating read. So, if you are at all interested in the uh, in the origin story of Sonic the Hedgehog, at least the American version of Sonic the Hedgehog, which has been completely retconned and erased for the current version of Sonic the Hedgehog, which uh, aligns more closely to the uh, which aligns directly with the um, with the uh, Japanese version, because you know translation. Uh, then, then you should read this article. I have a link for it up in the show notes. It is unbelievable. It's over at vrv.blog or vrvblog.co, and it is an unbelievable story. It's it's har it's it's a hard, long read. It talks about a twenty five year long uh, story, and it, it's it's amazing. So it talks a little bit about the. Uh, it starts with the Sonic Bible, and then it gets weird from there. So I thought I should share, and then we're moving right along. All right, uh, this is a new I- news for last week. But anybody who has a Nintendo Switch or who will get a Nintendo Switch, you can now get YouTube on your Nintendo Switch. I'm pretty sure you can get YouTube on your toaster oven if you try hard enough. But it's one of those things that the uh, that I thought was kind of cool. Um, it doesn't... See, here's the funny thing it that, that the Switch doesn't have, is that it has youtube it has hulu but it does not have netflix and it doesn't have a significant amount of the other streaming services that are available so it's not the the primary media device that people are usually looking for but uh if anybody knows anything about kids uh, anything that you can watch youtube on is automatically one of their favorite devices so the nintendo switch which i gotta say Coming from a parent's perspective, we're looking at buying one for this holiday season, but the way that it's configured makes it really hard to buy a family console because one person can walk away with the screen. (laughs) But that's just me. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I also have to see if it has any kind of backwards compatibility. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. All right, moving right along. The next story that we have is from educationweek.org or edweek.org. It talks about two 12-year-olds who managed to quote-unquote hack their school district. They were so advanced and so far out ahead of the game that the adults are still trying to catch up and put everything together. This is another one of those long form uh, school or long form uh, articles that I highly suggest you go on over there and read but here 's the uh, the long and the short of it basically uh, two <laughs> two kids got together and they found a sticky note on the side of a computer in a school. They then found out that with this password for the username and password that was uh, listed on the sticky note, they could get access or they could turn off the security that was on their computers in the lab. They then found out that there was an open shared drive in the middle of the lab that had access to an Excel spreadsheet with students' grades on it. And then it went from there. And here's the thing. At what point does... Should the students have come forward? Yes, they should have. Uh, Are my friends and I guilty of uh, finding passwords and usernames to try and uh, do things that we shouldn't have done on computers in school? Yes, most certainly we are. And, you know, here's the thing. The amount of—they can't prove at this point that anyone ever changed a grade or did anything that they shouldn't have— Except for the fact that they started getting access to cameras and all other kinds of nonsense. But, um, the, the, The story goes on to say, basically, that this is a failure of IT security because there is a large gap between the needs of IT security in in school systems across the country and the availability of IT security professionals, because IT security professionals deserve to be paid like IT security professionals. And if you have, on one hand, a Fortune 500 company paying you X amount of dollars, and then you have, on the other hand, a school district which can't afford books, uh, which one do you think is going to be able to uh, offer you the better salary? And that's what I think we should really take away from this. It's not the fact that the... these students were able to get around security. I honestly don't seem to think that there's any hacking involved. That's why I said, quote unquote, because if anything, this was more social engineering. They didn't get in there. They didn't uh, alter the source code of the way things functioned. They they didn't create an exploit and, uh, you know, do a buffer override and short out the security systems. That's all kinds of stuff that we did back in the day. <laughs> I'm kidding. But um the, the you know when we would get into a computer lab in in high school uh you know the computers were all networked we were all trying to play games on them and we were never allowed. So the easiest thing to do was to try and find a way around the security software that they had installed. At that point I think it was called Fortress and all you needed to do was find the sticky note everybody knew it so as soon as one kid knew it you put the sticky note back and then the password spread like wildfire throughout the uh, throughout the uh Population of students. And then when you get on to a little bit more security or a little bit more uh, higher tech security, they had eventually put in place. All you had to do was overload the security software they had with too many inputs on too many different devices. And all of a sudden, the security device would shut down. And then you could do whatever you needed to do. I'm not saying that we did anything stupid on the computers and we would always restart them and then the security software would be back and we'd be ready to go. But you still got to play your game. And the funny thing is, before that, before the networked computers and everything like that, you really didn't need all that security because the teachers were still keeping everything in regular old paper grade books. So it... The thing that kind of blows my mind is it's 2018 at this point. I think it's 2016 when this actually happened, but um, the teachers were keeping an unsecure Excel spreadsheet with students' grades. There has to be some kind of software that they should have been using. There has to be something else that should have been in place for a secu- for a school district that I that I can't even imagine. So it's it's all the kids wanted to do was watch YouTube during lunch. <laughs> And again, it goes back to YouTube. But it's one of those things where it just kind of blows my mind that the article got as far as it did and that these students are in as much trouble as they currently are. So if you head on over to edweek.org, you can read the full article. This one was uh, posted a little bit ago, but there's a link in our show notes. All right, and that about wraps it up for the food and caffeinated bits here at the Caffeination Podcast, We, or rather for the Geek Craft section. Uh, we now have some food and caffeinated bits, and then we will head you out on your way. So up first, uh, there's an oldie but a goodie. So if you are looking for how to make coffee painting nice and easy, and I'm not talking about painting and you're painting a nice cup of coffee, I'm talking about painting with a cup of coffee, then you, all you need is instant coffee and varying amounts of water. And other than that, you need a watercolor brush. Or as the rest of the country probably says it, a watercolor brush. I'm from Philadelphia. Get over it. (laughs) Alright, so pure black instant coffee, water and plastic cups, watercolor paper. And then you need the paintbrushes. I would suggest using a watercolor paintbrush just because it seems to work a little bit better than uh, than the other ones. But the darker you want the pigment the more coffee you add to it. I would suggest using lukewarm coffee uh, or lukewarm water. But but here's the thing. I would not suggest using espresso like I've seen in some of the other guides because that's wasting good coffee. This is instant coffee. Instant coffee isn't very good. It's expensive, but it's not very good. <laughs> So it's something I wanted to share with the group. I thought it was kind of interesting. I wanted to, to hand it out there. Next little thing we got for you here is should coffee sales have a minimum age requirement? This is from over at Sprudge.com. Now, it's, it's kind of interesting because coffee in general is something that most children don't really enjoy. They, they don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I need my cup of coffee. But at the same point in time, I'm kind of anti-regulation when it comes to To stuff that doesn't really, it's not really that dangerous. Unless you have a heart condition, one cup of coffee is not going to hurt you. So if you want to be able to walk into a cafe with your kids and say, hey, you know, the kids would like some kind of crazy latte and, uh, you know, it's, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But, um, Yeah. There is a moving there's a movement in England right now to actually deny coffee to anyone under the age of I believe it's fifteen so uh, the next logical step is allowing baristas to interrogate customers they suspect are too young so I don't need to be carted walking into a coffee shop. I'm sorry. It's just one of those things that that kind of strikes strikes me uh, the wrong way. I'd I'd like <laughs> I could see it with alcohol and all the other controlled substances. Although I know it's a slippery slope, and everybody out there uh, has their own opinion on it. I'd love to hear yours at caffeination at gmail dot com, or you can leave a comment or feedback on the episode itself. But uh, it's one of those things where I don't really think that this should be that big of a problem that we need to to start laying down laws about it. <laughs> I don't know. All right, and then moving right along to the next thing, also from Sprudge.com, is hot coffee better for you than cold brew? Now, this is an interesting article that I'm just going to share, and then I'm going to give you the, uh, and then I'm going to give you the uh, the, the general uh, idea behind it. But the general idea behind it is they tested the pH because a lot of people seem to consider cold coffee as having a lower pH or a a more neutral pH rather than hot coffee. That's incorrect. The two coffees given are roughly the same. So then they say, well, what about the antioxidant level? Because that's where the other health benefit comes in. And apparently hot coffee actually has more antioxidants than cold coffee. So if you'd like to see all the science and read all that, the other stuff, then you can head on over to Sprudge.com and check it out. All right, now moving right along to the next little fun bit we got for you here. Uh, Move over pumpkin spice latte. This is the real pumpkin drink that you're going to want this fall. This is one of the strangest pumpkin drinks, and if anything, it actually looks more like a soup than a drink. So I just wanted to share it with you. This is from over at foodbeast.com. It is called an atoll. It is a chocolate cousin uh, called uh, Champarado. And I'm butchering this horribly. So if you speak Spanish, then you know what I'd probably just attempted to do. But the the ingredients uh, are, are uh, kind of long. So I'm going to read them off. So you're going to need one cup masa harina, six cups water divided, four cups milk, one cup pure canned pumpkin, two thirds of a cup of grated pilon, pilon concillo, one and a half tea, teaspoon, or tablespoon rather, of pumpkin pie spice. One teaspoon of ground tu- turmeric. Uh, One pinch of salt. One vanilla bean split. One large hollowed out pumpkin. One, yeah, you drink it directly from a pumpkin. One extra long cinnamon stick. Yes, you use the cinnamon stick as a straw. So you mix all these together in a special formation and out the other end comes some sort of transformer that looks like a gourd soup. So uh, the only thing that I would say is I'm pretty sure they used some kind of star NAs, uh, depending on how you say that, as a garnish across the top of it but yeah i don't know if you would actually need the pumpkin pie spice or the the canned pumpkin if you were to take the pumpkin and and take a taller pumpkin half it and then core out the top of it to use the meat from the pumpkin itself so it's one of those things that i'm not really sure about but you know, you need a certain amount of it to do this and it's a it's a very milky weird soupy looking beverage so if you are interested in it you can head on over to foodbeast.com and check that out all right moving right along the next strange thing that i've ever seen strangest thing i've ever seen is from atlas obscura from their gastro obscura which is their uh, food strange food and uh interesting bits section over at Atlas Obscura. It's called Café Ost. In northern Scandinavia, cups of coffee get enhanced with cheese. I'm going to let that one sink in for a little bit so you can kind of figure it out. So the place of origin for this thing is Finland, and where everything (laughs) in Spain Northern Scandinavia, Cafeost, or coffee cheese, bobs along luxurious in a hot coffee bath. Basically, you take a a uh, mug, it's usually wood, and you put a chunk of this special cheese of Eustolopia. Eustolopia ch- trans- translates to cheese bread. Uh, it refers to its dry and sturdy texture. And, uh, it's, so it's a vehicle for jam syrup and of course, coffee. So you put a chunk of it at the bottom, you pour the coffee over top of it, and then you can float a couple more chunks across the top of the beverage. It is apparently phenomenal. I would try it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, I I could get it without the, the lactose because it's a hard cheese. In fact, it's so hard that the, uh, how hard is it? It's so hard that the, uh, the, the coffee won't melt the cheese, and I don't know if I trust anything that coffee won't melt, but uh, I've tried the coffee, uh, the uh, Bulletproof coffee with butter and oil and everything, and that's pretty tasty, which kind of blew my mind that it actually was, but it also makes you gain weight like a mother. Um at least it did to me <laughs> uh, but the 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 coffee cheese now that's that 's something that I have not seen before, and i 'd like to see exactly where that ends up. I wonder if there's a place we have a uh, a cheese monger here in Philadelphia called uh, de bruno brothers, and i 'm going to see if they can get me some of or if there is any of the uh the eustolopia cheese i 'm going to walk in there, slap that name down on the counter, and say All right uh, do you got any of this and if they do i 'm going to see if I can get me some coffee cheese going so uh we 'll see how that works out if uh if I get it you 're going to be the first to know here on the caffeination podcast. That about wraps it up here for the Food and Caffeinated Bits section at the Caffeination Podcast. It has been a wonderful episode. The only weird thing that has been happening with me recently is that the Gutenberg editor on WordPress has been giving me some sort of fits. So some of the plugins that I use, even though they say that they are fine with Gutenberg, which is the new block-style editor, uh, they've been overlaying it. So on the longer-form episodes like this one, Uh, The block has been showing up on top of it. Now, I don't know enough on, on how to submit a bug... To the actual code itself and say, hey, look, this is what I'm noticing, but I'm going to figure it out and do so in the next week or so, because it it went from working perfectly fine to being really annoying really quickly. So hopefully everybody out there has a phenomenal night. This has been me, Paul Muller. I'm also signing off for my lovely daughter, Amber, who hopefully is snoring away upstairs and sleeping whatever crankiness she had going on off. All right. Thank you very f- much for listening. If you are looking for this or any of the other episodic friends that it has nestled with it, there are 552 previous episodes that you can listen to should you be so inclined. They are all listed over at www.caffination.com. That is caffeination.com because we are the Caffeination Podcast. If you are looking for, to send comments, feedback, suggestions, hate mail, you, or anything else in our general direction, Please feel free to do so at caffeination at gmail.com. You can find us at social media, on uh, Facebooks, on the Twitters, in Instagram. Uh, we are the high-octane caffeine culture and technology news site. You can also leave a direct voicemail of 215-240-1319. I think that's about it. So thank you very much for listening, and stay caffeinated, people.